Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, well, you never watched After Hours, or... You seriously never saw The Lives of Others, or... How have you not seen the shop around the corner? Thank you for joining us. This is How Have You Not Seen. I am your co-host, Carson Betts. And I am your other co-host, Caroline Thompson. This is a movie podcast where oftentimes one of us will present the other with a movie that... uh, (laughs) I forgot the intro to this show. I don't care. We're still going. Where oftentimes we will uh, present the other co-host with a film that we like and they have not seen. And then usually we would, you know, go and sit around here in the early parts of the episode and we'd talk Mm. about it a little bit. And then normally we watch the movie. And then frequently, almost always, every time rather, I I, I might say, we talk about it some more. I sincerely hope this is not the first episode of this podcast that you're listening to. We say, we say all this, we've butchered uh, our own introduction uh, as a lead-in to say that uh, Caroline and I are not hosting this episode. No, we are, no. we are, but, we are, but, uh, pawns, playthings. Yes, we are, we are being, we are being, uh, shared, we are being shown a new film. A new film is being shared with us by our good friend of the show and our social media manager, uh, Callie McAlexander. Callie, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you guys? How are you feeling about watching a movie that is much older than the movies that you normally watch? I feel great about it. I and, feel good. And I yeah. won't spoil too much, but it's um, in line with uh, a film we are doing, not next week, but the following week. Yes. So super stoked on that. But um, also, yeah, I'm I'm stoked to get us out of our, out of our comfort zone a little bit. It's kind of like, um, you know, most of the time each season we give uh we dedicate an episode to something that Corey picks Corey our producer our wonderful producer and like that's one of those things where it's kind of like we never know what's gonna come when Corey picks it because Carson (laughs) and I are who we are and we pick the movies that we pick to show each other you know while they very wildly uh they've you know, we, we get into a groove with things. So when we're like, Callie, pick whatever you want. And you're like, okay, how about some of these movies? I was just like, oh yeah, new blood, new blood. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. I was worried that, I don't know, sometimes when I try and show people a movie that's anything, you know, before like new Hollywood, they get a little nervous that I'm going to show them something really boring. And I promise it's, you know, it's safe. Okay. (laughs) Excellent. It's very funny. Well, that having been said, um, we are, Kelly, would you like to introduce the movie that we are uh, doing this week? Yeah, uh, The Shop Around the Corner, which is directed by Ernst Lubitsch, and it, uh, it came out in 1940. It's the, uh, it's the basis for You've Got Mail, which... Oh, is- 
how I how I get everybody to watch it. You know, I'm like, come on, it's the base for You've Got Mail. There's several um, like Nora Ephron films that are based on 1940s films and like screwball type movies. And those are like the best romantic comedies um, then and now are these like formulas that were given. And I think um, Ernst Lubitsch, he, he was a director in the silent era and then he transitioned really well into sound and he kind of like gave us the like enemies to lovers pipeline. Oh, thank God. Tumblr, yeah. Tumblr should erect a shrine to this man. My favorite trope. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, that's the movie I've decided to to get you guys to watch. Awesome. So, seeing as how this uh, movie is like based on one of the most famous, or I'm sorry, is the basis for one of the most famous rom coms, how how have you not seen The Shop Around the Corner? <sighs> Chris, mm. do you want to go first, or you know? Um... I just love Meg Ryan so much and I don't like to live in a time where she doesn't exist, you know? That is a <laughs> very fair. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I think for me, it's just, um, I think I'm just a bit of a Luddite. <laughs> I think you, you mentioned, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, oh, sometimes I don't like to show folks films from pre-New Hollywood. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, I frequently love um films from pre-1970 you know like especially especially the classics that endure to this day the ones that like we still talk about and want to like do podcasts on I generally mm-hmm. love because I find that they tend to transcend their eras which is why we still talk about them you know um however I just um am not good about going back in time I feel like I've said this before on the podcast I think it is a direct one-to-one where each decade you go back, if you were to look at my letterbox, um, each decade you go back, I think, I I would be surprised if any prior decade I've seen more films than a subsequent decade, if that makes sense. Um, Like seeing how it's uh, set in 1940 would maybe a cute thing to be to see how many movies from the 40s are in your letterbox <laughs> oh gosh don't drag me on main like this but i will yes, do it not i will do it um i mean mine's not gonna be that high i i grew up with like a few classic films um my mom is like a huge fan of Cary grant so like arsenic and old lace was like really big in my in my home growing up and some like it hot was really big but like beyond that it's only been like in the last couple of years that I've been like, Oh, <laughs> there's some good stuff back there. Um, and I feel like I'm kind of, I'm falling behind on a lot of new movies, but it's because I'm like still like digging through like 1933. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Okay. So embarrassingly, this is fairly embarrassing. Um, I have watched according to my Letterboxed, so there's probably a couple more out there that I watched when I was probably like a teenager that I've just kind of forgotten about or whatever. Um, but I have watched seven films released in the 1940s. Wow. So, okay. That's not bad. According to my letterbox, which is not great. It's not great. We can, we can up those numbers. We okay. can definitely up those numbers. Mine is, okay. Mine's probably even less. Wait, I actually am really enjoying this, Callie. I didn't think about doing this. <laughs> 
But let's see. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there is one exception to my to my rule, other than the 2020s, which doesn't count because we're only three years into it. But I have watched, I have logged 1,003 films on Letterboxd. 364 of them are from the 2010s. 216 of them are from the 2000s. 126 of them are from the 1990s. 82 of them are from the 1980s. 40 of them are from the 1970s. 18 of them are from the 1960s. Six of them are from the 50s. And seven <laughs> of them are from the 40s. So the 40s. Yeah, you were right. Early it kind of. Out. And then four from the 30s, two from the 20s, and then zero, according to my letterbox, zero pre-1920. What were the two from the 20s? Oh, I just closed it out. Let me Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) You're fine. Um, I know one of them is going to be Metropolis. I can tell you that off the top of my head. Um, This is fun. I like data. Thank you, Letterbox. This is cool to have. Is the other one from the 1920s that movie where a train runs into the audience? (laughs) (laughs) Is it the guy on the horse from Nope? (laughs) No, it is not. Um, I should have known this as well, but it's the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Oh, those are probably the two that I have from the 1920s as well. Both films that I watched uh, in German class in high school. So... Um, most of my movies from the 1940s have Jimmy Stewart in them. <laughs> Why not? Great I guy. Can imagine. We're I never going to talk. We'll never talk about James Stewart on this podcast. <laughs> no, not even a little bit. Not even if there was a fire. Um, I only have 15 logged from the 40s right now. I know that that's, that's not anywhere near all of them. I started using this just maybe two years ago. Um, but, uh. I would say, given that you've seen that many movies from the 1940s, you're probably in the top, like, top, like, two percentile of all people on the planet Earth. Maybe even more. Of all people on the planet Earth, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I would say yes. Uh, Maybe maybe restrict that just to America, even. Because, you know, plenty of places on Earth that don't watch a lot of American movies, or a lot of movies in general. Yeah. Well, so that's, I guess, an interesting um, distinction to make about like Lubitsch films. Do you guys know his kind of his shtick about like most of his films not being set in America? No, I mean, I know he himself is German, correct? Yeah, Yeah, he he was German. He like came here in the 20s. Um, I I actually just uh, on the podcast I do with my coworker, John, for the video store, um, we like looked at um, the Love Parade, which is from 1929, which is the first musical. Cool. It's very cool. Wow, <laughs> it's like crazy how well he did it. I'm sorry. And and Lubitsch directed that. Yeah, it's a Lubitsch. Um, it's awesome. it's like really cool. And then I like found out that his like wife left him for one of the guys that like did the music for it, and it was like a huge Hollywood scandal. It actually ruined the other guy's career because I think oh. Lubitsch was like really outspoken about like that guy fucked my wife. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he sure did, Ernst. He sure um, did. But yeah, he's uh, German and like a lot of like uh, like Love Parade is set in like a fictional um, a fictional country in Europe called Sylvania. And like most of his like early films are set in these just like fictional countries because he never had to then like 
like link them up with like history. It could just be like this kind of like sweet love story that didn't geopolitical shit didn't really matter. Or if it did, it was like for the joke. Um, and uh, Shop Around the Corner is actually set in Budapest, <laughs> but it's just Jimmy. Jimmy Stewart still just talks like himself. It's just there's right. I think one character that's German born um, who's like featured in a lot of other Lubitsch films. So I think they must have been like good friends. But yeah, there's only like one person that like has an accent or like seems any seems any anything other than American in this film. But they're just like, ah, oh, yes, Budapest. <laughs> For the best, I think, I can't imagine Jimmy Stewart trying to put on an accent. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart voice is kind of an accent all of, on its own. Say, well, Jim, not only is it an accent all on its own, but I also feel like Jimmy Stewart voice is, and I mean, no shade at the man, because fucking give a me gem. more. A give gem. me as much as you possibly can. I feel like Jimmy Stewart voice is like 90% of Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. You know? Um, 90% voice, 10% eyes. That's that's how you get a James. That's how you get a James. Yeah. And that seems to be just kind of his deal, like throughout all of his movies, like um, the four or five first sound films that he did, he did with Maurice Chevalier, who had like a really thick, like French accent. And he just has him cast in all sorts of different roles. And he's like, oh, yes, I am from Sylvania. <laughs> well, well, I'm from, I'm from Sylvania, you see. <laughs> yeah. And like they, they always explain it away in like a cute way. But it's just like it doesn't really matter. And he wants to like cast who he wants. So there's in, uh, in Love Parade, there's like a really good bit about like why he's why he has a French accent. And it's like because he he fucked a French lady for a week. <laughs> Basically, the best reason to have an accent. That's why Madonna has an English accent. Incredible. Exactly. Yeah, it's just like Madonna. (laughs) Uh, That's great. So other than, um, yeah, like these uh, last few things I've spouted off. Do you guys know, know much about this movie? Do you have any? I mean, I know the plot of You've Got Mail. So I, I, my, my question with that is that the plot of you got mail revolves like rather intimately around the existence of aol.com which (laughs) i don't know if y'all know this but uh was not around in in the 1940s had not yet been invented Uh uh-uh no uh something something bad joke about how al gore hadn't yet invented the internet yeah (laughs) Uh, no yeah um I got to say, Callie, like you just gave us a lot of information about the film. None of which I knew. Going into <laughs> it. Um, like, cool. okay, things I knew about this film is it was called The Shop Around the Corner. It stars Jimmy Stewart, uh, directed by Ernst Lubitsch. Is this, okay. Is this a Hepburn? Who's, no. No. Okay. Um, do, do I, should I? Do I know the the leading lady in the film? Um, let me scroll through her filmography because I did not. Um, her name is Margaret Sullivan, and I did not recognize her either, except for I saw that she was married to Henry Fonda. So you go, girl. Um, good job with that. She was in a lot of movies, but none that none that 
seem familiar and only from 1933 to 1950. So okay. it's on our letterbox <laughs> little look-see. I don't think any of us see, have seen any of her other films. Okay. Ironically, she had I'm... a small part in Joe versus the Volcano. <laughs> <laughs> she was 94. Amazing. Uh, amazing. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I honestly, nothing, there's not a single thing you said that I was like, damn it, that was one of the things that I would have known. So no, not at all. I don't know shit about this movie otherwise. Uh, like Carson, I vaguely, well, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say vaguely, but I know the plot of You've Got Mail because I've seen You've Got Mail. So I'm assuming just instead of, instead of emails, it, wait, yeah. What did we do mail? before it, email? Just I, regular mail? Because just, it's just they. One of them sends an anonymous letter, or it gets delivered to the wrong place. Meg Ryan it, owns a shop, so I assume that <laughs> part of it is that she owns a shop. I think I just googled it because I was like, wait, yeah, because she her bookstore is called the Shop Around the Corner, which cute. Yeah, um, yeah. But like, because the whole thing is like. I don't know what the adaptation is because, like, the whole thing of that movie is like, oh, you know, Hanks hates technology and Meg Ryan loves technology. And it's like, what's the 1940s equivalent of email? Just writing a letter? Okay, so what's the, like, yeah. more mundane, like, less technologically advanced version of that? Are they just, like, sending was... oral, like, oral communication? <laughs> it's, um... Yeah, people that are are just like pen pals, but they don't know each other. He's That's... answered an ad that she put for like she wanted to like write letters about like culture and and art and stuff. And um, but yeah, I I will say you've got mail is not like a direct adaptation. Sure. And, like it's um like it's very just like nodding to that in that they um they don't know each other, but they do. Right. So like they're they're writing these letters to each other, but they also are in each other's lives and hate each other while also being in love with each other privately. It's like that cute little thing. And um, beyond that, You've Got Mail is not really based on that because it, it has more of like um, this theme of like capitalism and like being gentrified and like how like her shop is like going away because like mm -hmm. of his like chain bookstore and that um, really the only thing that kind of has notes of that in shop around the corner is that they, um, they do work together. And so it's like, I guess that sort of like coworker, like they have to see each other every day and they get on each other's nerves and stuff. But um, yeah, beyond that, you've got male kind of does its own thing a lot. And I think that's really cool. Like the characterization of them is very different and like in some ways deeper because I think like shop around the corner is like, <laughs> I don't know, like you'll definitely have to forgive some of its like 1940s isms because there's like a part where Jimmy Stewart is like, this girl's not like other girls. She reads. <laughs> She's literate. And then he gives a cigarette, a lit cigarette to a baby. <laughs> I will I was gonna say so, uh, Caroline, he was, yes. Jimmy Stewart was in the same year in a movie with Catherine Hepburn called The Philadelphia Story. So right. you're that's like why almost right. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I was thinking is like, cause I, 
because I knew that this is one of like the bigger ones that um like from his career so I was like I was like is it a repeat because I've seen the Philadelphia story and but I didn't know if it was like a like a, oh you you saw the you love them in Philadelphia story I didn't know if it was a Meg Ryan Tom Hanks thing yeah I like, love them in this now get ready for this so um yeah I don't yeah. know that they revisit each other I think that was more of like Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant and right. Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy and I think maybe on the episode where you guys introduced me I um, told you guys about how Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy had like a 17 year like affair yeah it was just like an open affair and they made like 11 movies together or something that are all like right oh. Oh my. <laughs> you used to be able to do that in Hollywood and people don't, we don't let that happen now, which is a shame. The closest we got, I think, is um, the most recent A Star is Born, which gave that movie an incredible charge that I think that we need to continue. We used to be were, a proper were they country. We used to be a good country. Movie stars used to be allowed to like go perform at the Oscars and look like they were about to start kissing on stage in front of their wife and husband. Correct. Yeah, and no longer. Yeah, what's going on? What's How come on? no one's having affairs? <laughs> oh, I'm sure they are. I think we just find out about them a lot quicker and are less. And uh, those, 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 th- that, the, 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 the woke police. <laughs> they, they'll come for you on Twitter.com. Caroline, I just want to say thank you so much. Uh, Producer Corey literally texted us yesterday and was like, Carson, I don't know if you're aware, but you've made a reference to how the woke mob is coming for you three episodes in a row. (laughs) So I don't know, maybe like consider that. And I'm glad that you've taken up the torch. I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I was in a thing when that conversation was happening. So I only like briefly glanced it and I missed that message. I had no idea that was a message that was sent. So I love that. Um, Yes. All right, it's uh, time to play Rotten Tomatoes, Price is Right. What do you guys uh, think Shop Around the Corner is rated amongst your feller, fellow internet users? Oh, God. Um, I truly have no idea. There's probably three reviews, so it's either 100%, 66%, or 33%. <laughs> There's probably There's more than three that. Three possibilities. But... But yes, you are correct. There's probably, mm, that's hard because again, this is one of the ones that's like, I mean, it's a, it's a James Stewart movie. It got remade. It's an Ernst Lubitsch. People love, loved these at the time. They've got mm-hmm. a place in history. What critics who are getting their reviews pulled to be republished on RottenTomatoes.com, however, what those people are saying, I truly don't know. Um... So I'm going to take a full stab in the dark, assuming it's generally, generally pretty positive. And I'm going to say 80, I'm going to say 83, I'm going to say 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, I, I'm going higher than that. I, and I think I'm being safe. I'm going to say 90. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think Carson I think Carson's right. I think it's going to be like yeah. 91, 92%. Okay. Callie, 91 or 92. Do you have a, do you, you want to lock one of I'll those? I'll say 91 in? just to, uh, just to be a little bit higher than Carson in case. 
Okay, so I said 83. Classic. Carson, you said 90? 90. <laughs> Callie is coming for blood. Um, <laughs> awesome. So, all right. So that's our first movie. We'll lock in those answers. It's in the Library of Congress, so it's got to be rated pretty high. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. What's the what's the movie that is like recognized by the Library of Congress as like a culturally important work that has the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score? Oh, that's a very good question. To I would love to, to watch that. Yeah. Question. It's probably something that is like significant because of how like racist it is or something. Yeah, wait, that's a good question. Is Birth of the Nation? Oh, right. I don't but think then, Birth of the Nation. I don't actually think. Uh, also, <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I actually, like, I kind of feel like Birth of a Nation is not going to be that low rated on Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. because I feel like, A, there's not that many reviews, but B, mm-hmm. like, like that is still a film that is, like, taught in film school. It is funny to be, like, one star. This movie was racist. <laughs> I mean... Like, and I mean, yeah. like, hey, more power. Yeah, I just yeah. think people do it. I think, uh, you know, as a as someone who likes to advocate for, you know, things that you like can be, you know, have problematic elements. I'm going to go ahead and say Birth of a Nation is a movie that's so racist that it's bad because it's racist. No, Wait, I, I don't want this to be I'll part of the game. Say this. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, okay, here is, I think, I think. To, to to make abundantly clear. Yeah, <laughs> to, to make it clear in the internet, my stance. I, I believe, well, all I am trying to say is that I believe most reviews of Birth of a Nation probably begin with a beleaguered sigh followed yeah. by some film historian being like, okay, guys, look. Yeah, you know, right. and it's like, and it's like, I am of the mindset. I have said this before that I think we should stop teaching Birth of a Nation, and I think we should just teach the second film to do a lot of the tricks it does. Be like, look, this first happened in Birth of a Nation, but we're not fucking watching that in film one hundred and one. We're watching this. This is the second film that ever like that ever like had establishing shots. Okay. Because that's like one of the big one of the big things that like Birth of a Nation did is it established establishing shots in a lot of yeah. modern vernacular, and I think we can just I think we can just teach the second one and be like, look, this super fucking racist movie did it first. So imagine this, but more racist, and that happened the year prior <laughs> to this. Yeah, you know what I mean. But like, but I think it is a it is a historically important work just to the medium of film that I don't, that I think it probably is in the Library of Congress, but it's probably not as low rated as right. we think it is. Looping this all the way back to how we got on Birth of a Nation. Also, yes. again, it needs must be remarked. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Happy Christmas. Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> yeah, Birth of a Nation is bad. Should it still be taught? There's an argument. I think we can overlook the argument. I think but just show I'm Black Friends instead. I know what it is. Get enough of it. In, in the, you know, in watching that one. I don't think that's why they show Birth of a Nation. <laughs> no, it's, they show that, no, they show Birth of a Nation because they're doing KKK film school. That's the whole. Did you guys know that my professor is who wrote Black Klansman? My no. I did know that. That's yeah. cool. Kevin Wilmot, he was my, he taught a few of my classes and then I did like directed study with him. He's cool. That's very cool. That makes sense that that is a movie written by a film professor. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, is the Motion Picture Academy of Earth and Sound, might say. Uh, I graduated the year after he, or the year he won, but I heard that he uh, brought his Oscar to class this stunt on the freshman. Yeah. Yeah, you. I hope so. I hope he yeah. did. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, so second second film. Shall, mm-hmm. shall we? Yes. I mean, yes. Yes. We we should do. You've got mail. Of course. Okay. Ooh. I bet it. Not as good I... as Sleepless. Much better than Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> yes. I'm sure it has yes. like an 85%. Yeah. It's still, it's, it's real good. It's real good. Yeah. I think, yes, I agree. Not as good. Nowhere near as good as Sleepless. Mm-hmm. Nowhere near as good as When Harry Met Sally. Oh, no. Um, But still very serviceable and beloved. Um, I think... I think it's going to be a little bit lower than we think it is because I don't know when the last time you guys rewatched this movie is. I rewatched it like within the last year and it's good. Do not get me wrong. I think it's a great movie that I really enjoy, but it's really wonky. I believe that. I've only seen you've got mail the one time. Yeah. And it's good. Don't get me wrong. It is a good movie, but it is like, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, it's very sleepless in Seattle. of just like, what if, You know, what if we have this very screwball, like high concept uh, idea of like why they aren't together and like how they fall in love and all this stuff. And it's just like, it's kind of one of those things how it took 10 years for texting to be a thing before like filmmakers really knew how to utilize texting in a film. Mm -hmm. It's like you watch this film that's all about email and AIM and you're just kind of like, it's kind of like, okay, I can see how you thought that that's how that was going to work, but like, it's a little not. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit lower because I think this is a film that's definitely going to be higher with users than with critics. So I'm going to say... Yeah, that's probably true. I'm going to say... I'll just go a cool 75. Still around 80. Also, Callie, think, you said, did you say 80 or 85? I'm sorry. I said 85. 85. But now I'm, and I'll stick with that answer, but I am like rethinking it because I know a lot of people have a problem with You've Got Mail because. Because it's too good and too enjoyable. He puts her and out Ryan's of business. Too cute. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But that's also, that, the thing about You've Got Mail is that it is the good version of every single Hallmark Christmas movie and people eat those things up. And that is the premise of every Hallmark Christmas movie is what if what if this horrible big city capitalist put a nice bookshop out of business, but he was your romantic lead. But then you kissed um, about it. And then you kissed about it. And then you still owned the bookstore because you marry the guy who took it over. And then, yeah, it's a... Uh, the only yeah. ethical consumption under capitalism is marrying the cute owner of the chain bookstore that put yours out of business. Um yeah. I think he uh, just encapsulated what Ernst Lubitsch is about. <laughs> oh, I really hope so. That's exciting. Um, I'm gonna, Cal, you did this to me, so I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to say 86. <laughs> okay. I love that. Okay, so this is so tangential, but have you guys seen the movie Me and You and Everyone We Know? No. Is that the sequel to You, Me, and Dupree? <laughs> is that the no. prequel to Everything, Everywhere, All at Once? Yes. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I don't know. In the- I haven't seen it. 
It's a different universe that they don't show. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> well, no, it's a it's like an indie film um, from like the two thousands that one of my coworkers made me watch. And the reason I thought of it is because there's this. It's like vignette storylines that eventually all like weave back into each other. Um, and one of them is about this little boy who has like recently discovered AIM and he's like talking to strangers online and he starts like chatting with this woman and they're like flirting back and forth and he's like so bad at it. And she's like, talk dirty to me. And he's like, let's put our butts together. (laughs) And then she's like, oh yeah. Like it's just like a 30 year old woman and he's like going with it. And then he starts typing to her, like, what if we, like, put our butts together and, like, we just, like, send a poop back and forth between our butts, back and forth forever. And she's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and at the, at the end of the movie, they meet. And she's like, oh, fuck, he's seven. <laughs> I Googled this movie. It's, I, 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 I have heard of this movie. It's Moran July's first movie. Um, yeah, and that makes I, sense. Miranda July is a filmmaker who I, I just one of those where I'm like, you know, not for me. I get it. I see why people like her. Not for me. Kajillionaire is one of the few movies that I've ever watched. And been like, I see this, but I just like bumps, like bounced off of that movie uh, hard. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to guess first and I'm going to guess that it's a cool 90. I'm going to say the same as the first one. Because it's a beloved indie director's first picture. It probably doesn't have a lot of reviews. But she's gone on to have a a small but interesting uh, career. Yeah. I mean, she's Um, only done like three movies. Yeah. Uh, God. I have no idea. I have never heard of this film. Um, (laughs) So I have no clue. Where to begin? Um, because the only thing I know about it is a grown woman flirting <laughs> with a child, but that child has a very immature sense of what sex and dirty talk and all that stuff is. I am going to just have to go. I just have to go with my heart and say 69. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. It's just I have no idea, so I'll go. F- I'll 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 go for the meme. That's cool. I'll just say eighty because that feels that feels right for this movie. Um, it's one of my coworkers' uh, movies that he recommends out to people, and I can't believe that he does because of this plot line. Where mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, that's just not going to work for most people. <laughs> it, it it feels, and I'm sure it is quite different. Don't get me wrong. But it, in the way that I'm looking at this on IMDb, not on Brown Tomatoes, so I'm not cheating. Um, in the way that this film came out in 2005, it kind of feels like when I talk about love actually to anybody nowadays. And it's just like, it's like, yeah, I know it's all problematic and everything about every plot. I <laughs> up and none of it makes sense. But you have to remember it was 2003. And we kind of, for some reason, everyone thought that shit was funny back then. Like we had Caroline, we should do another Love Actually episode. I think we should do it again. I think we should do it once every two years. Every two years, do Love yeah. Actually. Yeah, so, yeah. To see yeah. when I start liking it, when it hits me. <laughs> and then it's the thing about that movie again. Merry Christmas, everybody. Is yeah. 
is it is one of those films where it's like you watch it the first time you go, oh my gosh, yikes. And then your sister puts it down again next Christmas. And then you're at your mom's house and you're like, okay, just like throw on something. It's Christmas morning, throw it on. And then six years go by and you're like, ah, I love this movie. It's bad and it's awful and it's problematic and everything about it is gross. But like, you know, you feel it in your fingers, you feel it in your toes. Um, that finger. <laughs> that part's good. The song is good. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, Callie, thank you so much for um, hosting this week's episode. Um, is there anything else you want to say about Shop Around the Corner before we actually go and watch the movie? Oh, um, I guess another like just way that I, I get people to give it a chance is that um, this is like maybe the other time that you're going to see the wizard from the Wizard of Oz. Oh, <laughs> oh okay, lovely. Cool. Yeah, Frank Morgan's in this movie. James Franco's in the – oh. <laughs> yeah, James Franco. <laughs> Didn't think he was around back Franco then. Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited for you guys to see it. Yeah, awesome. Me too. I am really excited to watch this. Um, yeah. So we will see you all in just a moment after we've watched the film. Hey everyone, taking a break in the middle of the episode while Caroline and I watch the movie to uh, talk to you about our sponsor this week, and that sponsor is Liquid IV. It's a category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and now it comes in sugar-free flavors. Liquid IV can aid in more effective hydration than water alone using a scientifically and clinically studied zero sugar hydration solution. Now, I know that there's like an incorrect assumption out there that Liquid IV is some kind of sports or energy drink, kind of like, and Corey, you're going to have to believe this out, or or whatever swill the rocks pedaling nowadays, but it's not. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier, the result of extensive R&D to create a product that hydrates you more efficiently than water alone and tastes great while doing it. And this is how it works. You get your little pouch of Liquid IV powder, you tear open the top, and you drop it in 16 ounces of water, and you shake it up. And that water is now much more flavorful and will hydrate you two times as fast as plain water would have. I've used Liquid IV after long walks in the sun or long work days when I forgot to drink water for 10 hours straight, and it works amazingly to get me feeling hydrated. And I'll tell you a secret hack, one rapidly aging millennial to another. It's a great preventative measure against hangovers, too. Uh, have you ever listened to an episode of this podcast where it kind of sounds like I've had one too many beers? Yeah? I'm looking at you, Ice Storm episode? I probably drank a Liquid IV immediately after we recorded. Nine out of ten times. Uh, so you can get 20% off when you grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free or any other variant at liquidiv.com using my coupon code HHYNSPOD. That's H-H-Y-N-S-P-O-D at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code hhynspod at liquidiv.com all right back to the episode 
Look at those eyebrows go. That was very, that was very of this world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious which one of you is going to ask me about my Christmas plans and get super hype when I say I can go out to eat with you. Oh, that that is like actually true, though, in real life. That is like the the most lovely little scene in this very lovely little movie. Okay, I have a question. If if, if you were to, okay, (laughs) let's say you go to the shop around the corner. Let's say that you're like in Budapest where this movie ostensibly takes place. Imagining it. Yes, and you go to the shop around the corner and, you know, whatever, you do some window shopping, you look around, you speak with Alfred Kralik and Peppy for a little bit. And, uh, and then you leave and you go back to your hotel room and your friend asks you, what did you do today? And at one point you went, ah, and I went to the shop called the shop around the corner. And your friend said, ah, oh, well, what do they sell? What kind of shop is it? What would you say? Okay, I was thinking about this while I was watching the movie. Yes. And I was like, Ah, the brief shimmering moments when capitalism was cool. (laughs) Oh, is is the word cool or is it weird? Well, it's just, it was before the entire economy was based on some weirdo in a room making a number go up and down on their computer. And it was, it was, okay, this guy is selling these boxes. I got them from the store. You think people would like these boxes, right? Like people just handmade interesting shit. And then it's just a general store, you know, like maybe See, a little bit, maybe a little bit more high end than a general store, I guess, maybe yeah. like a boutique, you would say. But it's just like it's just it's just high end, like home furnishings and goods. Boutique is the correct word. I, I, I think I think you are correct. I think you're being a little bit too sunny about it. I think it's I think it's less that someone handmade some boxes and more that a guy said, ah, these I could now these I can sell. And he. <laughs> like I, I the thing that really struck me was like, what kind of store is this? It's a store. It sells things. What kind of things? Right. Things. Things that can be sold. What are you talking about? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's. I. It made me laugh. I don't know. It's we used to be a country. We used to we be a proper country. Budapest, <laughs> Hungary used to be a country. Uh, yeah. It's oh. like. It's like Costco. You can get anything there. It is like Costco. Can you get like a one an, an entire rotisserie chicken for one dollar from Costco? Like yeah, close. the shop around the corner. You think? Yeah, I think uh, Mr. Matichek. He's he's got those in the back for sure. Oh, yeah, yes. but you got to ask him. You got to like go up and give him the special. You got to say the special thing. He would just like run to a butcher and like get that for you and then like mark it up like two dollars. Yes, exactly. That's correct. Yes. Uh-huh. Hundred percent. He's like snappy businessman. I swear to God, this is we're gonna talk about this movie so hard, but have I ever spoken about this podcast about how for a while I ate a whole rotisserie chicken every day because Adam Driver did that? I don't know if you mentioned it on this podcast, but you have certainly mentioned it to me personally several okay. times. Good. For how long? Six months, maybe. Every day? I was in acting school, and when Adam Trent was in NYU, he would eat entire rotisserie chicken every day. And so I thought to myself, ah, that's something I can do to be like Adam Driver. That's too much. And I say that with all the love in my heart. Here's the thing. It's actually not that much food. No, it's really not. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, was that all you ate? No, I'd eat okay. like, okay. I'd eat like, okay, so here was my lunch every day. 
for like almost six months when I was in grad school. I would buy a whole rotisserie chicken from the Walmart. Usually I'd buy like three of them at once so I didn't have to go to the Walmart every day. How did how much did that cost? I'm curious. I've never bought a rotisserie yeah. chicken. $10 for three rotisserie chickens from Walmart pre-COVID, yeah. like $10. Like okay. nothing. Um, I don't know it how much It went up since now. the pandemic. I'm almost okay. Everything has. I'm almost Everything, certain. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but- um, Didn't Joe that. Biden's America, Callie? Come on. <laughs> 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 You're so right. I almost said it. I got this close. But I'd get that, and I'd get many bags of baby carrots, and my lunch would be- a whole rotisserie chicken and most of a bag of baby carrots and then most of a gallon of water. Carson, that is I know the most serial killer behavior I have ever heard. I was going to say, Carson, I know I have said this to you explicitly <laughs> off mic. The way you min-max food. <laughs> that is what that More is. Dinner. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's true. Uh Anyways, I think we have a game to get back yes, to. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We do. Uh, yes, I'm <laughs> excited. Uh, all right. So uh, before the break, you guys played Rotten Tomatoes Price is Right. Um, so the movie that we are talking about this week, The Shop Around the Corner, uh, Caroline guessed 83. Carson I think I'm guessed- way too low. I think you so too. Are. Yeah. I think I'm way too low. This thing Car- fucking slaps. It sure do. Um, Carson guessed 90. Callie guessed 91. Uh, Spoilers, you're all way too low. This thing has a 99. Damn. That is not surprising. Good job, And that does mean that uh, Callie has won that movie. Yes. (laughs) Yes. uh, This movie is, um, dare I say, charming and... Uh, Hot take. Delightful and um, really uh, cute and uh, sweet. Those takes and then Citizen Kane is good. Those are the two. uh, (laughs) Those those are some of the hottest takes we've ever said. I could abide that Citizen Kane is good, but I cannot sit here and abide that Chopper in the Corner is, quote, charming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Next up, you've got mail. Callie guessed 85. Caroline is 75. And Carson is 86. And in a fairly rare feat, uh, we've all busted. You've really? got mail. You've got mail is 70. That's ridiculous. Okay. What did I guess? I know I went over, so I know I don't get the point. But what did I guess? Uh, 75. You were closest. Okay. All right. Yeah. You were closest. Yeah. Um, excellent. That's, okay. That's, I don't know. How do y'all feel about that? I feel like that's. I feel like you've got mail is really uneven, but I also think it is just, I also think it is a treat. I mean, this is an audio only podcast, but uh, the three of you, all, everyone's eyes were very, very wide when I said 70. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like such a beloved film, but I guess this is the critic score, right? Yes. yes. Like, yeah. I mean, that. I guess that makes sense since it's like. Uh, audience score is only actually, actually only 73. I almost almost kind of believe that. I think that that reflects to me more accurately of my opinion of that movie more than the critics one does. Because I could imagine some random Rotten Tomatoes watching that movie and being like, fucking no, I don't like this, you know, 90s rom-com where they're using AOL chat rooms. Like, that's dumb. But I don't know. If you're a critic like this, I mean, 
that movie's so low stakes. It's so it's a it's a very good movie. But like, how, what, what are you gonna say no to? You got mail in the binary yes no system. You're gonna be like, no, I'm not charmed by Meg Ryan. Like, what the hell? Yeah, insane. Yeah. yeah. Silly. Um, I've actually never seen You've Got Mail. I'll have to I I have to check it out. Um, you should check it out. You should watch Sleepless in Seattle first. Yes. Yes. Okay. I think I like that one a little bit Sleepless better. Sleepless in actually. Seattle is Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sleepless like yeah, I mean, I think that You've Got Mail is a solid B. I think mm-hmm. Sleepless in Seattle is like extra credit A+. Yeah. I like when Harry met Sally more and like that's maybe the only one I like more. I think when Harry met Sally is a probably I, I think that's probably my favorite, but um Sleepless in Seattle is like alchemy. Like it's it, like kind of magic. It's one where, of those Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Harry Met Sally is insanely you, solid. But have any of you seen um While You Were Sleeping with no. Sandra Bullock? No, actually. Oh my god. Um, what his name's Peter something? Uh, the dad from the OC. Peter Gallagher. Peter Gallagher. There's our boy. Plays this guy, uh, who uh, is like, he he just takes the train that Sandra Bullock like works the toll for, and she's like in love with him. Like she like watches him take the train every day, and she's like, that's like you know my boyfriend for sure. But they like don't know each other at all, and then uh, he like hurts himself and like on the, he like falls onto the tracks and she like saves him. And when they, when she takes him to the hospital, she like lies and says like, Oh, I was going to marry him. And then like a nurse like misunderstands. And anyways, she's like the guy's like in a coma and she like fully has to like lie to his family that they were engaged and stuff. It's this great farce movie that I don't know. I'll maybe I'll make you guys watch it. sometime. that's a lot of fun. (laughs) What is that called? It's, while you were sleeping, while and, you were sleeping, um, Bill Pullman plays Peter Gallagher's brother, and that's who she like actually begins having a romance with. It's like while while he's sleeping, uh, yeah. It's, I love it. It's, it's on Disney Plus. Wow, weird. Jack Warden's in it. Peter Boyle. Um, yeah. Well, I am maybe the world's that's my favorite Bill rom-com Pullman of the nineties. I know he's so fucking hot in this movie, like. And in Casper for some reason, but yeah, like yes, correct, indeed. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. Just like a hot ghost dad. Last movie, me and you and everyone we know, a movie that I had not heard of until I saw it listed here. Uh, Carson guessed yes. ninety. Caroline guessed sixty-nine. Nice. <laughs> I wanted to give Very someone nice. space for it if they did it. Uh, and Callie guessed 80. And um, for the, I believe, second time this season, uh, Caroline and Carson, you have been beaten on an episode by a guest. Hell yeah. That's great. Ka- Honestly, this movie really is scenario. This yeah. movie is 82. Oh, cool. Ideal scenario is that the guest comes on and we say, Haha, you have to play a game now. And, um, <laughs> and like, we don't like beat them in a surprise game that they yeah. didn't really know was coming. Yeah. So here for it. I have, right, there since, you go. I will say since we recorded the first half of this, I've seen one clip from you and me and everyone we know. It was pretty good. Oh, really? It was, okay. a, a, it is like, 
such a weird indie movie, like so of its time, like so 2000s. Very similarly to Kajillionaire, the one clip I saw, I went, man, in isolation, this is very funny. But I think if I had to watch this energy for an hour and a half, I might tear my hair out. Um, That's, I, that's it. That's our yeah. game. Hell yeah. I love that. All right. So this movie rips. I'm so glad you liked it. What, what did you think, Carson? I liked it. Uh, I did not like it, I think, as much as you two. Uh, Caroline was watching the movie and kind of live texting us a bit during it. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I feel very similarly to Pearl as I do to this one in that I kind of want to let y'all love it a lot because I, I don't really have any problems with it at all. I certainly see its value and think it's incredibly charming and like get its value to film history and see what Lubitsch has done here. Uh, but it just didn't, it just didn't connect to me emotionally. I think in the way that it did to you too. That's fair. Yeah. I don't know if that is fair. I was gaslighting me. What are you talking about? Person, uh, you host love month. I do. I don't. Okay. Here's the thing about their love. I wish the movie was more about their love. That's my whole take. Is but that it's not I just of, about them, Carson. I it's know, about Mr. Matichek and the whole don't shop. Care about Mr. Matichek? That's kind of How my can problem. You not? It's Christmas time, Carson. I know. <laughs> I want there to be more scenes where the two of them get into a spicy situation and they're mean to each other, but secretly it means they love each other. All that stuff. Great. I love it. The stuff where Mr. Matichek's wife bangs. I, I, I hate that with a modern eye, you see that guy and he is so queer coded, right? That's the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. The whole thing is that Mr. Matichek's wife bangs the most obviously gay man in all of fake Budapest. <laughs> That's, I don't care about that as much. That stuff doesn't really do it for me. Lubitsch loves a character that is very queer coded, but mm -hmm. also a womanizer. And actually the <laughs> character in Grand Budapest Hotel that Ray Fiennes plays uh, is based oh. off of uh, Marie Chevalier's characters like throughout the uh, like four early like Lubitsch musicals that he did. Um, oh, that makes that like, makes so much sense. He was just so like, gay all the time but then he was like constantly fucking people and i think like i like looked it up and Same. realized that that was like the, <laughs> the inspiration for it <laughs> um but it like i am always thinking whenever i see that specific lubitsch character that is that type where it's yeah. like oh wait like he's so cute he's like so gay and he just fucks all the time like um, I just think of that scene in Grand Budapest Hotel where Adrian Brody is like, I can't remember what he says, something, something about like fucking his mom or whatever. And he's like, I thought, I thought, <laughs> I thought that I was the F slayer. And he's like, you are, but you're bisexual. It's, it's um, the best I hate to say it, but it's one of my favorite lines in any movie ever. It's so Funny. I think about it all the time and I'm like now that I can like connect that back through all of these like Lubitsch movies yeah. and that there's always a character like that that's like Chevalier that's like I don't know I guess just like against all odds just like slaying uh just slaying puss yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you uh, I felt so weird saying that on like the Lubitsch episode <laughs> 
I was like, you've been so nice this whole episode, and it culminated in Slam Puss. That's what this podcast is all about. That is, it is about getting weirdly a little too horny while you're being maybe (laughs) a little too overly intellectual. Correct. I think that's... the melding of intellectualism and horniness is what Lubitsch is about. So I think he'd be proud, actually. I I, I hope to do I hope to do Ernst proud. Um, <laughs> no, I mean like it's I don't know. Okay, just I'm struggling where to even begin because it's mm-hmm. just such like a it's such a it's such an easy watch. And, like, you just fucking know that, like, everything's going to work out and that it's going to be great from the very beginning. And so it's just, like, when you find – I don't know. I – okay. One thing I loved about this movie is I love that Jimmy Stewart found out really early, like, halfway through the movie. Yeah. And then he had to spend three scenes swallowing his pride and, like, struggling with, like – Ooh, I want to kiss her, but also she pisses me off because I thought it was going to be this thing where the entire movie, when they weren't writing letters, they were going to be like at each other's throats the entire time. And then they were going to find out at the end. Mm -hmm. And I love, I love the scene where he's like, he's like trying to be nice. And then she's like a little snarky back and then he can't, he can't fucking help himself. Yeah. Contrasting that scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best scene. That scene rules. Um, That's like the, that's like a top four best scene for sure Uh, (laughs) because i love i mean i love the scene when he's at her bedside it's so cute yeah yes when he visits her because she's like not well because she's stressed about him but he like she doesn't know that yeah it's so sweet it's so sweet i have a question yeah go ahead is the reason that she's sick because she's very stressed out is that the whole reason I think she's like sad, right? She's okay. like taking. Like- yeah. I was because this is not like because you have the scene where Mr. Matichek's in the hospital, very near to that. And the reason mm. he's in the hospital was because he tried to kill himself but didn't. And then she's in the hospital and she's like, I'm just so worried. And I'm like, this is people go to the hospital for weird reasons in Budapest. Like I was. I don't think she's, she's not in the hospital hospital. though. She's She's just at home. Yeah. 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 All right. But yes, no, but yes, you are correct. He, he has a nervous breakdown, almost kills himself because his wife is cheating on him. And then she just gets, she just gets overwhelmed, you know, just the very like, you know, dying of a broken heart. Very, um, you know, just all that stuff. Just, you know, in old timey movies where they like, they read a love letter and then they faint. It's like, has that mm-hmm. ever actually happened in real life? I don't know, but it kind of rules to see in a movie. Yeah. yeah. I I think maybe I know a few things that might make it like seem more special to you, Carson. Okay. I like Ooh, just yes. read some things where I was like, oh. I love the see. history of the, of, of, the gay character in all the Lubitsch movies that made it. I, I like that very much. So <laughs> please continue with that. Well, um, so like Ernst Lubitsch uh, is from Germany and his father was a tailor and owned like a garment shop. Sure. And I think it was also kind of a catch-all type of place. And I read two things uh, earlier today that in his book, Ernst said that this was the best thing he ever made. And uh, 
that he made it as like a tribute to his father and all the workers in his sh- in his store. Aww. And so I think it's like really sweet, even though like I understand what you're saying. Like, you know, it, it would be nice for this like romance to focus more on the romance. And then there's all these exterior characters. But I feel like that helps flesh out like um, this idea of like the like workplace romance and how they like seem to each other like on the surface level because it's like yeah they're just kind of co-workers and he's just kind of like her boss which is like same as fucking miss the wizard like it's like he's just some guy at work and then there's a bunch of dudes that are just some guy at work and like all of their different like underlying issues so i kind of like that on like my i don't know this is like the fourth or fifth time that I've watched it. But um, like, I think now that I'm seeing different parts of it, like, you know, freshly, I'm like, oh, it's really cool that you get to know all of the characters. It like feels like a real workplace. And I think that that was what he was going for and like modeling after his father's shop. Um, So what you're saying, Callie, is that it's, he's kind of the gym to her Pam. I I kind of do think that uh, it could be like an early model, yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know. That's, no, you're, that's yeah. the thing is you're not. I'm, I I I do agree. I want to specify. I I I don't think there's anything like none of my quote unquote criticisms here are like like critically evaluating this movie in any way and trying to tear it down. I do not think there is anything wrong with this movie in an objective sense. I just say things because I'm like, ah, didn't hit me personally. And that's fine. Not every movie has to make this fucking guy happy. You know, um, I do, I do like how much it feels like a real workplace, like particularly, um, uh, Oh, is it, is it Pirovich mustache guy? Um, Yeah, is that his name. I'm I'm looking at the names of the cast. I'm trying to remember which which name. Uh, yes, uh, yes, it's which person. Yeah, yes. like him in particular. I'm like, oh, I've worked with like five dudes like that guy. Like I'm like, yeah, no, I know that guy. They dressed him up like Groucho Marx for some reason, but like I know that guy. Like, yeah, that's just what he looks like in which, every Lubitsch movie. Is that true? <laughs> I I was thinking about that too, and the closest thing in my brain. Again, you would know more about this time period than me, but I kind of thought about it. I'm like. Okay, yeah, but like after The Hangover, like every cheap ass comedy movie had one guy that kind of looked like Zach Galifianakis too, you know. So like maybe <laughs> after the twenties, they're like, yeah, he's kind of the Marx type. Put him in there. That's just like a funny guy person to have in a movie. I think having glasses and a big mustache was just kind of like in style sure. at the time, because uh, this is like so 1930s like all of the style their little like witches hats and everything that they're wearing like I think that there's so much of like 1930s fashion that we're like completely like unfamiliar because like the 20s and the 40s like the 50s had like really like uh like obvious things that we like think of like poodle skirts and like the flapper dresses but like Mm -hmm. in between like when I whenever I watch a Catherine Hepburn movie I'm always like what the fuck is she wearing Mm -hmm. Like, it's always, like, a little pointy hat, like, a little tiny, like, pointy hat with, like, a veil, and then she's wearing, like, a jumpsuit, and it's, like, I don't know, I guess that's what girls were wearing in 1936. If they had a little bit of money, they, like, had to get a pointy hat. Um, but, yeah, I think maybe it's it's similar. It's just, like, mustache and glasses. But, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe Groucho did start a revolution. 
<laughs> entirely possible. It's a funny look for a guy to have. That's the thing about it. You see a guy walking in the street who's got like, ah, his mustache is just a little bit too big. And those glasses, they're just a little bit too small. Like that's, that's funny. That's a, it's funny. It is a funny, it's a funny kind of, kind of vibe. Yeah. But like also not so ridiculous that if you saw a guy like that in real life, you'd be like, oh, well, this guy, this is like a bit. He's doing this as like some kind of, you know, like ironic, whatever, you know, that like a guy could actually style himself like that. You'd be like, oh yeah, that's just someone's style. Walks that line well, I think. I think with um, like Mr. Matichek and Krolik, like their dynamic is like very mm. like identifiable too. Like I've had so many like, um, I don't know, like workplace situations where like the boss is like constantly like looking to his assistant like for approval, and then that guy's like too good for everything and just like a dick. And I, I think like part of why I like this movie is like, but what if that guy like wrote beautiful poetry and you just like didn't know about it because you only know about him at work whenever he's like not that person to you, you know? And so I think like, uh, I kind of like what, what this movie ends up saying about like your inner life and like how everyone like has that in them, you know, like Mr. Matichek, like even though he's like the boss and he's like caring about like the music boxes or whatever, he like also like is so like heartbroken by his wife that he's like going to commit suicide. You know, like there's so much like going on, like underneath like what he's like, you know, like looking to crawl like for, you know? So I I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. No, I mean, that's something I think about like literally all the time is like, I mean, the three of you on this call are probably, I mean, easily in the top 10 people that I speak with the most, if not like seven to five. And, um, Callie, I've been to your workplace, but I, I, I like think about that with my friends where I'm just like, I'm like, wait, they spend just as much time as their jobs at their jobs as I spend at mine. I'm like, that's so much. I'm like, Corey just sits around and does that for 40 hours. I'm like, where does he find the time? I talk to him all the time. And I'm just, <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know anything about like your actual like day-to-day stuff, you know? Yeah. And like the reverse is true with like your coworkers. It's mm-hmm. like, I mean, I I like a lot of my coworkers very much, but like I don't know anything about. I'm just like, wait, they like have just as many friends and commitments and like personal things as as I do. I'm like, no, I was like, they go home and make dinner and go to bed. Like, that's what they do. Like, they don't, they don't do anything. They don't have hobbies. You know what I mean? And it's like, and I love that about this movie is that like, I feel like it sells that like he, the two of them would work together for months and never have that conversation, mm-hmm. you know? For and sure. I love, I love that. Um, honestly, we were talking up top about, um, about like how this was the basis for you've got mail. And I was like, but how do you just, how do you anonymously get somebody's mailing address in the 1930s? And, you know, I, I think it does a really, a really good quick job of just like, just like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm writing, like, I, I'm like, get a load of this. I've been corresponding with a secret woman. And it's like, how? It's like, well, I read her newspaper ad. It's like, oh, there are plenty of those. Yes, there are. And I finally responded to one, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. Like, that takes care of that. But like, <laughs> it's like, it makes it seem very not, very, it doesn't, it, does, it makes it seem 
not incredibly far-fetched that this would happen, but also that like it would never come up and that the two of them would never actually discuss these things. I think it's also like, you know, it's similar to like saying that you like met somebody on Twitter or something. It's not like something that you like might volunteer. It's like a little bit vulnerable to be like, Oh, I like answered this girl's like lonely heart, like ad. And now I like send a letter to a PO box and she like, yeah, like answers me (laughs) and we're in love. Like, it's like, that's not something you can like say at work unless you're like, I don't know, have had a few drinks with somebody. So it's like definitely something that you would like kind of keep a little bit close to the I don't know I had this whole thought watching this movie where I was like why don't we gotta bring this back why isn't there a dating app where you're not allowed to see people's pictures and it has to be there is there's like seven of them well then my thought was oh that's a plot point in season two of Ted Lasso oh is there's oh yeah it very much is yeah, yeah yeah it's one of the better plot points in season two of Ted Lasso actually in my opinion like the where that the result of that uh, uh, that whole subplot, I think, is really good. Sure. Yeah. Let's start our own dating app, and it's called, like, The Shop Around the Corner, and mm. it's, like, still location-based, but you just don't know who it is. Wait, no, that's Grindr. <laughs> <laughs> is it Grindr? Is that how Grindr works? That is kind of how Grindr I don't know. Works, yes. That's kind of what I've understood about it. Yeah. Like, J- like somebody will be like, he's 10 feet away. <laughs> Your you password to get man. into the shop around the corner is which adaptation of the shop around the corner did you like? What's your in? Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, so people I, have to have takes on that. Yeah. I, I think we should start a dating app where it's – I think it's the natural logical conclusion of Letterboxd where it's – if you share oh, one, of your, one of your top four movies in your like personal four on Letterboxd, that's the person that you match with. Like you can only see people – <gasps> there needs to be a letterbox yeah. dating app. Yeah. I actually, I actually really hate that. I actually really like that idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's a service designed specifically for you, Caroline. That's like, <laughs> at, that is pitched directly at you center mass. Yes. Um, yeah. here's the deal. Um, we can talk off of, uh, off mic. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, Kelly, no, Kelly, like, Kelly and I are legitimately friends and we met on film Twitter, mm-hmm. not like on Twitter where like whatever, or like, not like whatever, like we met specifically like through mutuals on film Twitter mm-hmm. and I cannot tell a lie in, in my years DMs have been slid into on occasions, on occasions, and that's all I can really say. And if they, if they made, if they made, uh, if they, you know how Facebook has Facebook dating? No. If Letterbox, oh well, it's a thing, and they're always trying to get me on it, which I find very insulting. (laughs) But (laughs) but if Letterbox was like turn your Letterbox profile into a Letterbox dating profile. Instantly. I would be a patron. I would subscribe to the tier above patron instantly. I have, I follow (laughs) multiple people on Letterboxd that I met through traditional dating apps. I've gone the other way. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I once matched with a, a woman that does not live in this state. And we don't know why Hinge made our two profiles like, seem as though they were 10 miles away from each other, but we still follow each other in Letterboxd. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have good takes? 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, she does. It's it's one of those. Sometimes I see her letterbox takes and I like curse the gods. I'm like, oh, that's hard. I, that is. I hard. should be. I should like her takes are good. I should be like getting coffee with this woman right now. And yet she lives in Florida. Like yeah, yeah. The number of times I have I have gone to review a movie and I've clicked on it. And it's been like, here's what your friends rated it. And somebody who I think is a cutie pie has rated it something similar. And I just go, oh, I should be in love with them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's happened yeah. more than more than once, certainly. I've definitely like had somebody like ask if if like we could hang out or something. And then they like, I realize that we're following each other on Letterboxd. And then I go and look at their reviews and I'm like, are you cool? <gasps> like, <laughs> I'll yes. like go and look at their takes. And if I don't like them, then <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if it's going to work. That's you know, a good way to weasel people <laughs> out though. Yeah. Can't do it. That's a, that's a good way. It really is. It Less really pain. is. Less pain for everyone involved, honestly. Yeah. Yes. Cause they're not like, putting any like there's no specific message to anybody it's just like here's mm. my take on this movie yeah. and if they like don't emotionally connect to something that's like really important to me it's just like oh like that wasn't even like to diss me you just didn't like that movie mm-hmm. and that sucks yeah. Yeah. yeah no all right we 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 uh, honestly we can get this funded <laughs> we can get this funded no problem i work in the crowdfunding space now you I got do this. that's I got true this. done done honestly See, that's a thing okay like, oh, but we need to find somebody to to like build the app. But I, uh, anyway, no. I'm just anyway. saying, I'm just saying, Patreon tier, like, yeah, like, <laughs> like support you can, our you can pledge. Thing. Yeah, you can <laughs> pledge, and it gets you invited to the closed beta. That's the thing. Done. There we go. And I love that. This, we I can love- do this in Discord. Yeah, easy. How I have you not like- seen, but seen as in like. You know, like been with. <laughs> yes. Um, like I, a- I really like the prospect. Uh, I really like the idea that you would need to um, have one of your four favorites yeah. in common. Yeah. And it can be any of the four. So it's like you can have, you can, three of them could be totally different, but just like, yeah. like, yeah. Like I, See- yeah. I like this because um, as a married man, I would still pay for it just because I really want to meet one other person who likes Zach Braff's Wish I Was Here uh, as much as I do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Bumble has like the friends thing. Yeah. You could have that version of it. Yeah, yeah. I've met. Exactly. I, I recently moved, as we've discussed on this podcast, and most of my very good friends I met via Bumble BFF, shockingly. Wow. I love that. Because I've just was like, I was like, I don't know how to meet anybody. Are you down to hang out sometime? And they're like, yes. And then we're like, hey, we have things in common, which is why we said we'd hang out. So now imagine if every one of those people, you could be like, you know how James Cameron wrote a dollar sign slash through the (laughs) S and aliens. And they'd all be like, yes, of course I do. Like that would be, that would save a lot of ground. (laughs) Okay. I need everybody. Yes, go. No, go. I was going to, I was going to make a point to loop us back to shop around the corner, but it sounds like you might maybe were too. So I'll let you do it. I really want to get back to the movie, but I do want everybody to pull up their letterbox and read their four favorites and think which one would get you the most ass. Oh, that is. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> I know. I know best. exactly which one. Or best. I know exactly which one right now. What? Okay. So I recently changed my, because le- it's December now. So I changed my letterbox to the, my, to the Christmas version. Okay. And my whole, my whole thing was I'm going to do four Christmas movies that people don't traditionally think of as Christmas movies. Okay. So my, oh my God, right, is Die Hard one of them? No, it's stupid. 
My four right now are The Green Knight, Batman Returns, Little Women, and Iron Man 3. And like Little Women for sure is the one that's going to... Though also Batman Returns. I think there's an interesting contingent of Batman Returns girlies. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Edgy bisexuals. Yes. That's what they're called. That's what they're called. Correct. Oh my gosh. I'm really struggling. Um... Um, since, you say, like, since you're struggling and Carson's yeah, ended on an edgy bisexuals, I'm just going to jump in and say probably Scream for uh, is yeah. the one that on mine. Yeah, <laughs> Corey, the yeah. number of bisexual women I have seen on the dating apps who Scream. one of their photos is a uh, sexy ghost face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yep. I have seen a lot of women in sexy ghost face costumes on not I know straight. so many girls that Humble. have a sexy ghost face, like thigh tattoo. Yeah, uh-huh. that is uh-huh. a thing. <laughs> yes, it's such a thing. It's such a thing. Yeah. Wait, which um, do you guys think would get me more ass cruising or RoboCop? <laughs> <laughs> I wish um, we lived in the world in which it was RoboCop. I really do. I think RoboCop. I think RoboCop will get you the would get you more. I think that I think that though, Callie, knowing you, I think that when you find, I think that your soulmate is a cruising girly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I think that like I don't think, I think that if in this conception of the app, it's kind of like how on Bumble, it's just like, oh, she also likes this band, right? Like that's one yeah. of the functions. I think if it if it shows you up top, like, oh, you're. Um, the, the the movie you have in common is X. I think you get more dates from RoboCop, but I think you find your soulmate like six months in after it's like, you both have cruising. <laughs> that's, that's my take. I, oh my God. I think, okay. Sheer numbers is obviously Lord of the Rings. Just like sheer numbers wise. Yeah. But my other three are terms of endearment, but I'm a cheerleader and aliens. And I think all of oh, those but are I'm really high caliber. I think, but I'm a cheerleader gets me some pretty high quality, but I mean, I think I, 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 I want to another aliens girly, another aliens. Yeah. Girly. I was, yeah. I think it's very similar to your diagnosis of Callie's thing. I don't think you're going to get married to, to a, but I'm a cheerleader girl, but an aliens lady. Oh, yes. that's for life. Yes. And don't get me wrong. A Lord of the Rings Return of the King girly is uh, is like maybe my soulmate, but I think there's maybe too many of them yeah. on the uh, apps to really like true. like I think I think my I think my soulmate would end up being a Lord of the Rings plus one of the other three. Mm-hmm. Anyway, love that we had this I conversation. I think I like tweeted something not that long ago about how I was going to make a group chat with all of the gay girls that I know that have cats named after characters from Alien. Oh. <laughs> Wait, who, I, who's, I did. Who's there besides me? Oh my god! Uh, like six other friends of mine. <laughs> Actually, like okay. one of my like oldest friends from high school has a cat named Ripley. That's uh, like one of those like rare cats. I don't know. It's like a. It's not a sphinx. It's like got like spots on it i don't know but yeah she's Uh, all about this cat it's like her baby and then uh like several girls in the video store that are like my regulars have have cats named jonesy yeah so um you're starting this group chat as soon as this call is over (laughs) we'll do we'll do especially because i'm coming to visit you next week so i'm just saying (laughs) okay yeah we'll we'll get it set up 
Great. Okay. Wait. Shop around the corner. Shop around the corner. <laughs> Before yes, we Carson. go back, I got one, one last more thing to say. Because I've been for- Carson long- also wants to be in the group chat. <laughs> I do. Yes. But I have long been thinking about, I've been, I don't know, it's probably, it's going to happen, but it's going to be like, eventually once I get to it, I want to get a second cat eventually. Because I think my cat needs a friend. I think he's going crazy and getting old and he needs a young cat to keep him young. And uh, yo, what if I got a little boy cat named Bishop? That'd be, that'd be kind of really good. good. Yeah. Bishop's already my best friend. What if I had another best friend named Bishop? <laughs> okay, that's a good thought. All right, shop around the corner. Uh, <laughs> uh, I had a really good point to bring us back on before we went on the movie tangent. Sorry. Can I try? No, oh my God. No, no, do, it do it again. Do it again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. So uh, this kind of is speaks to what Callie, you and Caroline both were talking about. What I really like is that this film sets the, not sets the precedent, but it does kind of establish that like workplace flirtation, Carson alluded to Jim and Pam type thing. Like, he, you know, jokingly, but like, I do think some of that, some of the early groundwork is here for that. But why I think this thing works is sort of what Caroline was speaking to is that we establish the whole world. We, we establish the backstories for all these other characters. And also it's one of the reasons it's so refreshing to watch this thing in 2023 is the snark, the guy in the snarky relationship, the guy in the relationship isn't just a snarky asshole who makes fun of the person that he's in love with and all of that. Like there is that whole other super well-developed he writes poetry and plans these romantic outings and writes these letters and he's a whole person. And it's not just, (laughs) I'm kind of an asshole. That's why I'm interesting. And that's kind of a beautiful thing to see because it's so not what it is today. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, to your point, Corey, I think one of the things that makes this movie so great is how kind of quaint it is by today's standards in terms of just, like, like, this film, I don't think this film thinks it's, like, quaint uh, necessarily, but I I think that it's, like, I mean, it it is a film from a time in which um, people could make their careers being a make a good decent living and be proud of the work they did be working in a shop, you know, just like I sell people leather goods, which according to, according to Wikipedia is specifically a leather goods shop. That I believe. Which I guess checks out. That makes sense. Um, Cause we talk about wallets, the, the boxes, and then we have the thing with the black suitcases and the brown suitcases, which mm-hmm. is uh, a plus comedy. That's um, very funny. Yes. Yes. And so it's one of those things where it's like, it's really nice because it is like a remnant of that time. And it's just like, you know, these people have very full, rich lives, even though they aren't, you know, they aren't superstars. And I think that like some of my favorite, I really do think that like some of my favorite like love stories on film kind of fall into that um, category because it's like while having a big grand sweeping story about love is obviously, you know, can be really fun and really enjoyable um, and all that fun stuff. I think something a little more like before sunset right. Where it's just like, what if the greatest love story you can imagine is um, spending an evening walking around a city and just kind of, and just kind of, 
talking yeah for hours on end and like that's so like capital r romantic in a way that I, I i feel like you know maybe some of your grander stories aren't um and i really like that about this because it's like there's no like yeah he says like oh i think i want to get a raise because like i want to be able to support a wife but it's not like, oh, I need a raise because I, like, can't afford to eat, right? Like, it's just like, it's like oh, I, I could afford to be, like, a little bit more comfortable. And I think I deserve it. So I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. But it is just, like, I really do appreciate the fact that, like, there is a lot of dignity working in the shop. And it is kind of, it does kind of, I don't know, it makes you feel like, it makes you feel like Jimmy Stewart could literally be like like a man with a heart as deep as jimmy stewart's could be like literally anywhere which i think is maybe a greater fantasy than um (laughs) than anything yeah yeah but yeah you know you know what i'm saying yeah i i i i I just want to add on to that too and say that i would bet that by 1940 standards this love story is fairly radical you know it's we in that we are barely at this point in a time in which the idea of marrying someone for love and not for familial obligations and and base economic need is like a thing um and you know to add into that this like very overarching romance of like they don't even know each you know that's that feels so radical for the time and on yeah. top of that the the idea of like well clara's going to like work in this shop and like, not just as a shop girl, like she's a, like she's a fucking salesman. Like she's like a career woman in a, you know, maybe not by, certainly not by modern standards, maybe not even by like post second wave standards, but for the 1940s, like, I mean, she, she has the same job very Jimmy Stewart does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She has yeah. the same job until he gets promoted. Yeah. But it's like her and, uh, and then there's another girl who works mm-hmm. there and then guys it's yeah. like, yeah. And they're working the same jobs. I think like it's such a good like intro, even though they do spend so much of like the beginning of the movie just making him an asshole. I think my first like time I watched this, I reviewed it and said this this movie invented negging. Um, <laughs> but like um, when she comes in and like begs for a job, like he takes her really seriously. Uh, like even though like he's like, oh, like I don't want to like go through it with my boss. Like he like kind of understands her and like doesn't like brush her off and like I don't know I I think on this like watch I was like even though like it turns into like a thing with Mr. Modichek because they like have their own thing going on and he's like well why wouldn't I listen to you and then he like Mm -hmm. immediately contradicts himself or whatever but like I think it's it's sweet that like this girl off the street is like why don't you give me a job and Jimmy Stewart's like I would if I could (laughs) like he's like listen like I want you to work here (laughs) um and I, yeah, I think it is very, like, although, like, what you were saying, Caroline, like, that they, like, seem to be able to, like, live off of this job. Uh, like, it, it is so cool that they're, like, showing, like, this girl who, like, she doesn't have any connection. She doesn't have anything, like, going on. She just, like, needs a job today because yeah. it's fucking 1940. And she's like, ah! <laughs> Yeah. And to your point too, about like this film kind of created negging, it's like, yes. And that's a really good, that's a really good zinger on Letterboxd. Um, and, but at the same time, like the negging is not what works, which is what I think is great. It's like, they are both at each other's throats the entire time. And it's like, 
it isn't actually it's okay. It's not the friend, the the enemies to lovers trope in that they're enemies. And then because they are enemies for so long, they realize that they fall in love. You know what I mean? Or like whatever. Yeah. It's like, they are in love before they're enemies. They just don't Mm -hmm. know it. Like they are like genuinely in love with one another. And then it's like, they hate each other in one context. And everything that happens in that context continues the the negativity and the and the feuding but then mm-hmm. everything that happens over the letters you know and it isn't until jimmy stewart finally breaks and is just like hey like comes clean you know it isn't like she falls for jimmy stewart at the shop and then he surprises her and is like oh and by the way and she's like oh my gosh mm-hmm. you were him it was like she's like she's like I am devastated. Like this man who I'm in love with is not real. And I'm, I'm so upset and I should have just been nicer to you in the beginning. And then he's just like, all right, she's I'm like, I, I kind of thought you were cute. You know, she kind of like, I guess opens that wild door, thing to say. Bit. Yeah. She's like, I thought you were like handsome when I first met you. Can, can we discuss how that's the, the weirdest thing that happens in this movie? What? That someone <laughs> thinks Jimmy Stewart's handsome. No, that she says it in that way. That they're like closing up the shop for the night. She's just having hand like, you know, I don't know. There was like a week where I thought you were the hottest person in existence, but mm, not anymore, I guess. I was I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not a thing you say to a person. That's so rude. I don't know. I think it's Christmas. I think it's Christmas. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't I know. think it's 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 very this isn't Christmas, but I think it's very uh like uh, I love that you're the f- the first person I think about when I wake up and the last person I think of before I go to bed. And it's not because I'm lonely and it's not because it's New Year's, but it's because when you realize you want to spend the rest don't of your you. life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start right away. Don't you don't you quote that at me because it makes you win. Um, <laughs> you know it does. Can I tell, no, you, something? Like, Can I tell you something, Carson? Yeah, Just yeah. a real quick sidebar. Yes. Um, the, today at work, we did yeah. an exercise in one of our meetings. I work for a, for a, for a video studio, for a design studio. And um, we had to submit one piece of art, could be in any medium or anything, that quote unquote inspires you. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I'm like, what do I send in? What am I like? What do I do? Like, I'm one of like the I'm like one of the odd ones out at my work because I work in production. I'm not an artist. I'm not a designer. And I sent the I sent the New Year's Eve speech from when Harry met Sally. Mm. And that was my, that was my piece. And so I got to watch it today twice (laughs) because it's, cause it's that time of year. And I'm like, I'm like, what inspires me? And it's just, it's that time of year. And so I'm thinking about that movie and I'm thinking about that scene and it just, it's pulling at my heartstrings. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Good choice. That's fantastic. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. I don't know. It's I just weird. think it's weird Christmas and she says, hey, I, you know, we're both feeling uh, kind of weird and like, I don't know. Oh, God, it's so silly of me, but like, you're kind of cute. Because <laughs> it's Christmas and that's what you do. Interesting. Interesting. Can we talk about how... Um, Peppy has a Stefan Urkel moment and he comes back and he's like hot now. Yes. Oh, yes, he does. How like Peppy comes back and he's like, my name is Peepus now. And I am, <laughs> I'm the hot version of Peppy. Yes. I, 
I stopped Mr. Matichek from committing suicide. Yes, he says I'm a salesman now. And he comes in and he 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 combs his hair, sits yeah. his hair back. It's a little more cleaned like a up. Hat. Yeah, he exactly. Does, he does a hat. Yep. I, like, I fuck now. He does, and he did. <laughs> that made me. That made me laugh a lot. Um, yeah. This movie is good. This movie is very charming. I this think I will really like it. Amazing. I think I will like it more when I watch it again in five years. I think you should watch it again tomorrow. Yeah. I need to watch the other movie that we're doing on this podcast. Fair enough. Next week, tomorrow. Fair enough. It's a good one. I said in our Slack chat, um, new annual Christmas movie dropped. For this one? Yeah. I'm going to watch this bad boy every fucking year. Yeah. I didn't even realize. Did we discuss that that it's a Christmas Movie in the first half, because it's kind of not. It's like we we yeah. kind of talked about this on the It's a Wonderful Life episode where like a lot of movies, well, from forever, really, just like end at Christmas. An episode that is not released yet. Oh, whoops. My bad. When when we, in two weeks, well, hey, spoilers, uh, take shot, we record these out of order. But yeah, no, we had that exact discussion. That movie okay, only yeah, we're going to have that discussion. Another Jimmy long. Stewart movie that becomes a Christmas movie in the last half hour. Yeah. But like, yeah, I uh, like they it started snowing and then they're just like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, I'm like, there's 35 minutes of this movie left. And they're talking about how they have to do a Christmas sale. I'm like, if this is a Christmas movie. I'm like, this is great. This is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it like starts in like June. But I think at the end of it, Kralik says like, oh, it's been six months that you've been irritating yes. me or something <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I love that it like ends around that time. And you're probably right, like Caroline, it probably like had to end around Christmas time because that's when you're like loose enough to tell someone that you thought that they were cute. <laughs> right. And it's just love <laughs> is in the air. Love of all kinds, yeah. not just romantic love, but just like that thing. I don't know. It's just really nice. It's like I I I don't know. It's one of those things where the movie starts and it's in June, and then like it jumps forward several months. And like they're they're all in coats, right? And it's just like it's one of those things where it's like I don't really think much of that because it it's just like oh time has passed and now she's been there for several months and I understand that because it was one of the first lines in the film as they're talking about it being summer mm-hmm. and then now they're all wearing coats and kind of like shivering as they stand outside waiting for the shop to open. Great, understand the shorthand. Some time has passed, and then Mister Matuchek like tries to off himself, doesn't work. And then it's like they're talking in the hospital and he starts talking about how like for Christmas he's going to give him. I'm like, this is a Christmas movie now. I'm like, oh my God, this is a Christmas movie. And then the last 20 minutes of the film takes place on Christmas and it rules. And I yeah. like it a lot. Hell it's yeah. a good scene. It's a good scene. It is, it is like, when he implies that they're going to be married for sure. And like, that's, that's a very good line. So good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Where, where she's like, maybe we'll both be married like by the end of the weekend. And he's like, I know we will. And he says, I know we will be. I know. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, I think it's like fun. I know. I think it's like very fun that like he lets her continue to be like such an asshole to him for like (laughs) such a long time even though he knows that he could like probably like 
just be like, hey, I'm actually like your dream lover, the dude who writes all the poems to you. It's like, I think he like relishes a little bit, even though, I mean, like, obviously he's like waiting for the right time and he's like waiting for her to like kind of like him a little bit so that it's not such a shock. But I feel like he also kind of relishes how much it'll embarrass her once he tells her because of all the horrible things that she keeps saying to him. Like that scene where she tells him to get lost in the restaurant or whatever because she's like waiting on her dude. And she says some like really mean thing to him. And he like, he's like, wow, that was so mean. And he just like smiles at her. Yeah. Like he, he like says that was so something and something like two adjectives. And I'm just like not coming up with them right now, but like, he doesn't say it. Like he's like, like he's like dejected because he's like, Oh, I was coming over here to like flirt with you. But like, I feel like he's also kind of impressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's like what makes him buy into the game of the thing. Yeah. 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 And like, it's a thing too, where it's like, he's read so many of her letters that he knows how she actually feels deep down and how she actually feels about him, even if she doesn't know it. And so it's like, it's kind of adorable, like in that way of just like, like he, 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 he's like, Oh, this is a front. Like I actually know how she feels deep down. And like, this isn't, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just, I think he just, he just finds it really cute. I don't know about cute. I think, I think he likes the pain a little bit. Like well, the, the two things can be true once as Corey yes. said earlier on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the scene when he at like the final scene they have together on Christmas Eve, when he finally tells her he dangles her along for so long like he keep like he is having so much fun at her expense. He's like, yeah, that guy, uh, you know, fat and bald and ugly and stupid, actually. And also he has no money and he's lame and he doesn't even love you. And she's like, oh no. And he's like, and let me tell you another thing. And then that goes on for like five minutes. I'm not, I love it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying he's mean. <laughs> Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then yeah. she like has to check his legs before she. <laughs> yeah. The fact before that that's like, the second agrees. to last shot is everything to me. It's yeah. so funny. I know. I think that's so cute that she's like, mm, let me make sure though. <laughs> He's a tall guy, James Stewart. He's a, a, a wildly tall man. He sure is. Yeah. He sure is. Okay. And he shows knee in this movie. So if anyone, if that helps anyone become interested in it, there's Jimmy Stewart's knees. Yes, for real. Okay. I have to ask, on a scale of one to 10, how handsome do we all find Jimmy Stewart? Ooh, what age? Let's say, let's say, okay, this movie comes out in 1940, as is the Philadelphia story. Uh, and then It's a Wonderful Life comes out in 1946. So let's say from 40 to 46. 12. I think he's so handsome. <laughs> the Philadelphia story is so cute. Like, do you guys, have you guys all seen that? I no. fucking love I the Philadelphia story. I think he's like a six. I think he doesn't look done yet. I think Jimmy Stewart in the 50s. <laughs> I think Jimmy Stewart in the 50s when he's got some creases on that face though. Rear window Jimmy Stewart. That's a handsome Interesting. Man. Yeah. Wait, how old are you? Christian? How old am I? How old do you think I am? <laughs> uh, like 28, 29. That's a really good guess. I'm 27. 
Okay, sorry. I was just like, that's how old Caroline and I are. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. We're all the same yeah, age. I don't know. I have no oh, idea. God. I was about to be like, no, I am 28. And I'm like, no, I'm very much 29 and almost 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I keep saying that I'm 27 and I'm 28. Um, I was just wondering if maybe if you were a little bit older, I was like, maybe that's maybe like in the next year, I'll start thinking that rear window mm. Jimmy Stewart is hot enough. Maybe my sexuality will age maybe. just that you know, next year or so to get me there. But I mean, I was born at like age 32. So it's, I've always, <laughs> that's always kind of been my vibe and my, you know, my thing. He ages in I, dog years. I do. That's true. That's, that's actually a really good way of putting it. Yeah. I led this like film discussion yesterday for Serpico and somebody was like, Oh, you went to film school? Like what years? And I was like, well, I started in 2012. And the guy who asked me went, Oh, damn. And I was like, and I graduated in 2017 and he was like, fuck. And I was like, what the fuck do you mean by that? <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, I hate that. I was like, you def- you definitely like are like, oh, I didn't know you were that old. <laughs> Which is like not that old. It's not old at all, actually. We're still very young. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a baby. Um, I asked this on Slack. Are we familiar? Did you- if you guys talked about this, I'll cut it out. Are we familiar with uh, She Loves Me? The musical? That's the that's yes. the Ken Ludwig musical, right? Yeah. No, I don't think Ken Ludwig. It was in like '64, so I don't think. Okay. I, Which one I, was that? Oh, is that crazy? Mm, go on. I did a piece from that as an audition. It was one of my audition songs for a few years in grad school. You did the one that uh, everyone does. It's Patterson. Uh, did you? Oh, the deli- did you deliver? No, duh, tonight at eight. Yes, yeah, sir. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah, dude. Um, I love that musical, and the it is alarmingly close. I mean, it's an adaptation of this movie, but it is the beats are there, and it is alarmingly similar. And I love it. And you, I sent Callie the link, but you should all do a free seven day trial on Broadway HD to watch it because it is equally charming. I love that. Wait, which what which one are we calling it again? What is it? She loves me. She loves me. Ah, okay, great. I'm thinking crazy for you. That's the Ken Ludwig. Yes, oh, that is the Ken Ludwig. Okay. Is it the version that, with yeah. Shazam in it? Look, I the other thing I said was <laughs> it does star Zachary Levi. Uh, controversy acknowledged, but he's really he's fucking good. charming in it. He's so, so good. He's a talented musical theater actor. That's all we have to say. Yes, he is. Him in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Great. Oh, also. Sure. Sure. Um, oh shit, I have one. Okay, I never get to ask these questions, so I'm gonna ask it. Have you guys seen um, To Be or Not To Be, the other, or one, one of Lubitsch's other movies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And uh, Mel Brooks remade it with Anne Bancroft. Yes. Is that what you're gonna bring it up? Well, no, I wasn't, but I just, um, I never, Callie, I figured you had seen it, and uh, I never get to have a moment where I've seen something uh, like slightly intellectual that these two yahoos haven't. I just wanted to <laughs> call that out and have my letterbox review was this is a very charming watch. I, I watched it like once in grad school, and I don't remember a ton about it other than just like, I really liked that thing. Um, this, so it, it's Maybe nice to get to. Just- He's yeah. really, he's got that good shit. Have um, any of you heard of Ninochka? No. I have so heard he of actually, it. Probably because of me. I actually was thinking probably, of showing yeah. it to you when you're, when you're here. Because it's like Hell one of my yeah. favorites. 
Does it end at Christmas? I don't think so. Okay. That's okay. Um, That's not a deal breaker. I just, if the answer is yes, I'm like, yes, done. Let's go. But go on. But, uh, I, I was like reading today that, um, he like so specifically wanted Jimmy Stewart for this movie, but he was making the Philadelphia story and he like was like, that's fine. I'll wait for you. And he like made Ninochka like while he was waiting for them. Oh my God. Um, Incredible. And that's Melvin Douglas and Greta Garbo. And, uh, she plays Greta plays this like um like very like communist like Soviet girl who's like come to Paris to like retrieve some like jewels that like belong to the people now like they like were like uh like royal like jewelry or something and then Melvin Douglas meets her and they don't know that they're like enemies in this situation where he like works for somebody that like used to be part of the Russian aristocracy and they think that the jewels like belong to them so anyways they like meet and he's like showing her around Paris and then they find out that they're enemies so it's kind of the opposite they've like fallen in love and then they realize that they're adversaries oh my god lovers to enemies you never see that and it's really cute because like he's like no like Paris is great like you would love like this type of life and she's like no like why would I ever listen to the radio (laughs) (laughs) like she's just like so Soviet and funny like they really like hype that up but then they start like like loving each other's worlds like he reads Capital and like his like butler is like sir I found like capital on your bedside table like what does this this mean i get to leave (laughs) his butler is like actually like mad at him he's like why would you like try and like rearrange the order of things and he's like don't you want to be free someday (laughs) then he starts calling him little father his like butler he starts calling (laughs) it's very cute and then she starts like she like has a bottle of champagne and wears a nice dress and she's like this is nice too (laughs) well let's definitely watch that it's so cute. There's like this part where they get like really wasted together and they're like, we'll start our own party for the lovers and our salute will be a kiss. And that's like my letterbox review of his. I think it's so cute. They like, Oh my God, it is. I was looking at your letterbox review. At, I was reading that on your letterbox review as you said that. <laughs> I think about it all the time because like um, actually the Philadelphia story and Ninochka, I think are like such good depictions of like just getting like so silly fucking wasted with somebody. <laughs> Because there's a part in Philadelphia story where uh, Jimmy Stewart like grabs a champagne bottle and he's like, we're going on a picnic. He like can't say picnic. And then he like gets in a car and like drives Catherine Hepburn around and is like, oh my God, he's like, should not be driving. Okay. Um, I was looking at Ninochka um because you had piqued my interest and i saw it was like oh uh nominated for you know a couple oscars including best picture i was like oh i wonder i wonder what it what it lost to um it's a 1939 picture listen to this uh listen to this best picture lineup um so it is among a few other things that i have not heard of there's Ninochka. It is also up against Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Of Mice and Men, Wuthering Heights, Stagecoach, The Wizard of Oz, <laughs> all of which lost to Gone with the Wind. Oh, we oh, used to be a country. God. We used to be a proper country. We really did. <laughs> oh my God. God. Holy shit. 
Oh that's my crazy. god! Wow. Yeah, that's a crazy lineup. Stagecoach, I think, is like a perfect film. That's why I was like, oh, and Stagecoach one way, but I forgot about Gone with the Wind. Right. No. See, okay. Stagecoach rules. Stagecoach is so good. I recently like saw like a year or so ago people like going off about it, and I was like, I was like, it can't be that good. This is just like annoying film Twitter people whom I love dearly. I love all of you so so, so much, but sometimes you're very annoying. Um, and I was just like, this is just people being like patting themselves on the back. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, son of a bitch. This is incredible. Are we going to do it next season? Probably. Yeah, we should. We'll talk about it in like a week. But yeah. Hell yeah, we should. <laughs> yes. Uh, can well, I, anything else? Yeah, go. I, I have one more thing to say, which is. Yes. And Callie, it was one of those things that like you did a good job in retrospect. I'm like, Oh, Callie did a good job of like setting this up before we watched the movie. The fact that this movie apparently takes place in Budapest and like (laughs) everything is Hungarian and and it's very confusing. Um, And it's not like, it does not detract from the film. It does not feel as though it is a central plot point, but it also very much feels like it is not set in, in Budapest except for the times when they say that it is. And the way that it feels, the only thing it reminds me of, of like, it's like if you watch um, like a like a Chekhov or an Ibsen play now, and like because those plays are so like realist and like when Americans do modern adaptations of them, they usually kind of scrub a lot of the history stuff out. And then you've just got this like modern family drama in which everybody has names like Natanya and Dorosky. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. Like, other and you're like, names, why are those the names? Like, yeah. Other than the names, this film takes place in Missouri. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got yeah, funny, weird money, and other than that, it's uh, yeah. It's like it's yeah. like a, a a big city that's really like a small town. You mm-hmm. know. Yep. Yeah, I kind of like when movies make that choice to just be like, yeah, and everyone will just do their own accent. It's fine. Yes. I like it too. And it mostly did not take away from it, except for like the few times when they would introduce a character and be like, I, and like Jimmy Stewart would come out and be like, oh, I got to run the shop. And they'd be like, ah, yes, Mr. Alfred Vledek, good to see you. And you'd be like, whoa, <laughs> no, that doesn't go together. They like uh, reference their money a few times, like the currency that was like. What is it called? I forget. In, oh, yeah, uh, like 200 blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's a weird name. It's like Sesame Street money. <laughs> Sesame Street money. <laughs> what it sounds like. It sounds like a name they'd make up to teach two year olds how money works. Uh, we love we love culturally conscious criticism. <laughs> oh, it's hungry. It's fine. They don't care. They're, high, they're half of former Austria. Huh? What are they called? Uh, Pengo. Oh, yeah, that ain't real. That's not real money. It was hang- Hungary's currency from 27 to 46. It was not even... It's like 15 years. I want to care about anything as much as Carson cared about that point. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a long day, all right? <laughs> well, Kelly, I just want to say thanks so much for bringing this film because yeah this thank a, you this was a total treat this is a total blast oh yeah yeah thanks for watching something you know from forever ago i think uh, yes most people yes. are like wary of of watching stuff from the 
from the 1940s. So I really appreciate you guys uh, being down for it, even though I think it, it does make it harder to connect as well. Like, I don't know. Do you feel that way about old movies, Carson? Not all of them. Like, not okay. No, like I mean, <laughs> like so, sometimes, yeah. Like I, I was watching this movie. I'm like, ah, a movie before a time when they did shot reverse shot all the time, and you know, I'm not used to that rhythm. But that doesn't necessarily take me. Out. Also, made that one time where they did that one canted angle at uh, James Stewart's face. Really good. You know, really like yeah. very cool, but uh, yeah, no, not always. Hey, we're gonna. I mean, Caroline already let it out of the bag. We're gonna do "It's a Wonderful Life" in like two weeks, and that movie. Yeah, take your chingo, your court these out of order. Uh, great, the movie is amazing. Is that your pick, or was that that was me? Yes, cool, cool. Yeah, I, I like just watched that for the first time last year. And it I was like, oh, I get is, it. I get it's it. So. Like, <laughs> Yes, in the canon timeline of this podcast, I have not seen it. Yes, in true, the, true. Uh, in the real world timeline in which we recorded that episode last week, uh, pretty good movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get why people like it. Um, awesome. Well, Callie, yeah, thank, thank you, you again for, so much for letting me have a pick and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah. No, of course. Um, we'll we'll look forward to what you pick. Well, look forward to what you pick next season, and we'll see if you can uh, if you can uh, zig as hard as Corey zags uh, between <laughs> between uh, the no, last season. she can't, she can't. That's uh, that limit. I don't the- know. I've 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 spoken with Callie about film a lot, and she's got some she's got some films. <laughs> I'm excited to watch oh. the Paw Patrol movie next year. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you guys something. Um, all of those letters that you've been receiving, <gasps> those are from me. <gasps> all three wow. of you. The beautiful I'm poetry. All of your Mr. Yeah. Oh, and the red carnations. carnations. They're falling around you. <laughs> oh. Yeah, oh, we can have our wonderful. quad wedding. Oh, wait. Uh, well, like, and Corey's wife. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Mackenzie comes all too. getting married. <laughs> Love it. So Okay, right. well, well, wait. You guys don't have another movie to talk about, do you? Tonight? No. No, no not tonight. Okay. No. Cool, cool, cool. Well, yeah, no, in general, I know you do <laughs> have many <laughs> to talk about. Uh, and this, here it was, folks, the series finale of How Have You Not Seen It? <laughs> so, yeah, are you guys done? <laughs> we're done. Uh, no, I well, figured until you guys have seen each other's like entire filmography that you you guys will just keep going that's yeah which will never be over well that's a fun thing actually finish yeah that's a fun thing is that like every year we do our season planning and i'm like uh i'm just like oh shit like i've really like assigned carson like a lot of the stuff and then i spend another year watching more movies yeah Mm -hmm. keep getting ahead (laughs) And yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like you just yeah. have to stay one chapter ahead of the, you know, ahead of the exam in the textbook. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Caroline's like, have you seen Stagecoach and Kramer versus Kramer? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, have you Both seen films I've watched in the last year? Yeah. And I'm like, have you seen Pain and Gain and Jupiter Ascending? And she's like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, I've seen well, Jupiter Ascending. I've seen Jupiter. You Ascending. have. I'm trying to think. You have seen Jupiter Ascending, a movie I would love to talk about on this podcast. Pain and Gain, a movie I'm going to make you watch so hard. Uh, okay. I um. Or you you have that movie rules. 
you have things where I'm like, hey guys, I just watched Silence of the Lambs for the first time. That thing's wild. Yeah. And Carson's like, I've actually never seen that. Never Caroline seen it. Shit's a whole mm-hmm. brick. I love yeah, it. it. Never even thought to like throw that out as a suggestion. Um, Craig, do you want to tell all the nice people on the internet where they can find us on the internet? If you like what you hear, please be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. Leaving a review would also really help out the visibility of the show. A huge thank you to Callie McAlexander for our social media. Please make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Pod. A very special thank you to our patrons. If you'd like a shout out on the show and bonus content, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash pod. We'd love to have you over there and you can get all of our content for starting at $3 per month. Any other questions, please head over to patreon.com slash pod. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you all again so much for joining us. And Kelly, thank you so much for bringing us this awesome movie. Next week, we're continuing our a series of films that are kind of Christmas and definitely take place at Christmas and definitely have a lot to Christmas, but aren't like a Christmas movie. Next week we are doing uh, Todd Haynes, 2015 film Carol. I am so excited. You fucking should be. I'm so excited. Woohoo. Before we exit this episode super quickly, I just wanted to also say, Callie, thank you for all your killer work this season uh, on social media because Mm. uh, you've Mm. been a joy to have and made my life literally 400 times easier. So thank you so much for everything you do. We'll see you next week when we talk about Carol.